Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast from Creative Coverage that focuses on artists and their practice. I'm Tim Saunders, and today I'm joined by the landscape painter and actor, Charles Jameson. How would you describe your style, Charles? Gosh, that's a, that's a tricky one, isn't it? I... <laughs> I've put you on the spot, man. You have. You have absolutely put me on the spot. <laughs> I've, never, I've never really thought about describing my style. And I, some people say I have got different styles, but I always say never um, mistake style for repetition. So I like color. I like composition. I like simplicity. Uh, those are the three things that, that charge me. And I, I like heat. I'm very, very happy if I'm drawing and painting in hot countries. Is that style? I don't know. But it's it, it. I suppose altogether, it 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 melds into what I'm trying to achieve when I paint. So the paintings will have, um, you know, plenty of color. Sometimes exaggerated. What was it Matisse said that the color is in the shadows, and I think that's brilliant. Um, How did you get into painting? Well, I've always drawn, and played with with paints ever since I was a child. You know, my parents weren't at all artistic. Both my brothers were pretty much able to draw. It's in the family. My father had a first cousin who we knew as Uncle Graham, and he was a painter. And he and his wife, they were, they were, I mean, they were very, very friendly with Stanley Spencer. In fact, Aunt Charlotte was one of his great friends. Graham and Charlotte actually persuaded mum and dad to let me go to art school. So that was good. And they were the kind of bohemian side of, of what was otherwise a very straight laced sort of lifestyle with a, a country doctor's house, you know. So that's where it all comes from. And the travel thing. Well, my dad was was not only a doctor, but a very, very good amateur sort of historian. And he loved to go abroad and do research. So in the summer, we would all pile into the car and drive from this town in Scotland all the way to sort of Italy, to Rome and things like that. And, and he would disappear into archives and my mother would drag us around cities all across Europe. So wow. so the travel thing was deeply embedded in me. So I just love traveling and drawing. And, and I'm, that's when I'm happiest. Uh, and then in the studio, when I'm back home and I make the paintings, I just pretend I'm somewhere else, which is especially useful in a Scottish winter, I can tell you. <laughs> I can imagine. It's the painting over the acting, is it? Well, acting was an accident. Um, I never wanted to be an actor. It, it happened by chance um, when I was at art school. And... I spent a weekend with a friend and there was an agent there and the agent said I could get you work and I gave him my phone number and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later he phoned up, much to my mother's surprise, uh, when she answered the phone and this man said, I'm Charlie's agent. Uh, <laughs> and and it started from there. And, you know, it's always been a sideshow. Right. Uh, there was a short period af after I'd finished both art school and my master's degree in America and I couldn't get a job. You know, I couldn't make any money out of painting, but I did have an equity card. So I was making money out of acting. And uh, I did a bit of theatre. 
and then I landed a part in a TV soap, Scottish television. And I worked on that for six years. I worked 10 weeks a year at fabulous money and painted the rest of the time. And pretty much at the end of that, I managed to get my first London show. And I've always kept acting on the side burner, you know. And every so often I get a phone call and go and do a day's filming or something. But, you know, it's a couple of days a year. The rest of the time I paint. (laughs) Would you say that both professionals complement each other? I think in, in some ways, yes. I mean, as an artist, as you know, we all work alone. And then it's rather nice to get a couple of days with 40 or 50 people. Mm, Must be a culture shock. It is. Yes. Yes, it is. It's very strange, you know, because because, you know, you've spent several months working by yourself and then you you sent a script and you learn it and you turn up and you walk onto a set and you meet the person you're acting with. And it could be anybody. Mm. You know, one of the last ones was was Charles Dance, you know, and you think, oh, right. OK, I've got to be good, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're not you can't have nerves. You have yeah. to quell that. It's very interesting. So, you know, it can be quite complimentary. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. It's a challenge. They always say that small parts are harder to play just because a, you usually playing against somebody who's well-known and B, you've only got a day, they've got a month. I quite like that. Mm. And then it's a relief to get back to the studio. (laughs) 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 When it's just me and I'm in charge. (laughs) What would you say has been your greatest achievement in painting or acting? Still being here, being 68 years old and never having had a proper job. That's my great achievement. I managed it. I swore to myself at the end of my my period in art schools that I was going to make a living in the arts doing it. And so that's the achievement. Are you able to tell me about the the award that you introduced? Oh, which one? The the, the aspects prize. Oh, the aspect. Ah, well. Now this Where did that come from? Yeah, well. Funny enough, it was a friend of mine. It's quite, it's quite good, really. This is a friend who, who at that time was a, a director in a hedge fund in London, who was then living very close to the village here. And I was recovering from cancer. Right. So he came to visit. And uh, he said, I want to start an art prize. And I said, oh, it's easy, Mike. I said, you just, you know, we, we have the annual exhibition with Paisley Art Institute every year. Just you know, come up with a prize and award it. He said, no, he said, I want to start a serious art prize and I want you to be chairman. I said, Mike, you know, I'm recovering. I've been ill for a year. (sighs) No can do. Eight weeks later, I was chairman. (laughs) And together, together, we, we, we set up the aspect prize. The idea being to, to help Scottish painters, uh, and help them move up from being unknown to exhibiting in London galleries. So each year we would have an intake of hopefuls and we would have an exhibition of all the paintings that came in, or most of them anyway, all that we could fit into the gallery in Paisley. And we would choose four people 
and they would be given a sum of money each to go away and paint for six months. And we'd be in league with a gallery in London, hopefully a different gallery every year, and they would be on the judging committee. And then at the end of that six months, and I would I would be their contact. I would, Mike and I would go to the studios to see how they were getting on. And then at the end of the six months, there would be a show in a London gallery. The first one I remember was in the now non-existent Richmond Hill Gallery. And we'd choose a winner and the winner would get a money prize. But in the meantime, all four had had money, all four had benefited and we'd invite other galleries. And, you know, over eight, eight years, that was 32 artists. We gave away over £200,000 in prize money. We generated over £200,000 in sales. Cool. And um, I'd say that all of those artists, bar a couple, have a career. And I think that's great. Okay. And it, it was good. It was good. And I loved it, of course. I thought it was, it was super. And I, had a, I got a very small... I didn't get anything for the first year. I did it for nothing because mm. we were just building it. But then the hedge fund company paid me a very small uh, amount every year, which was good because it, it took up a lot of my time. Yeah. That was great. It was worth doing. And, 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 you know, I met a lot of people, which was nice. And I'm still friendly with them, which is even nicer. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Can you explain how you work? How do you start a painting? <laughs> in fear and trepidation that's it all um no uh, <laughs> i jest ah do you know i've got sketchbooks i've got photographs and i kind of plow through them and i'm going yeah, yeah i like that well for instance i've got a painting on the go at the moment i i first came across this image in france about four and a half years ago and it's been rolling around in my mind it's been there i've seen it in my head but I've not been ready to do it two weeks ago. I decided now is the time to do it. And I just took all the information I had, sat down in front of the canvas, I drew it out, which I don't always do, but I did on this occasion, and just started painting. And in fact, I'm calling this one the colouring in, because <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's, it's quite a different, I don't always work the same way. This one, I've drawn it out and I'm, and I'm painting it. I remember reading with Stanley Spencer what he started in the top left-hand corner and worked his way across a canvas. And I feel a bit like that with this painting. But other paintings, I'll start with a paintbrush and, and sort of loosely put in the image and then play around a bit. And then, mm, OK, it should be one inch to the left and I'll move it all left. You know, I'll, I'll push and shove and, and layer the paint and go that way. And simplify. I'm obsessive. How do you know when to finish a painting? There comes a point when you think, okay, that's fine. And I put it aside and I let it mature, you know, in my head. And I'll go and look at it uh, in a week's time and then I'll go, no, that's fine. Or I'll go, no, it's rubbish. I need to change that bit and change that bit. There have been times when I've overdone it and killed the painting and that's too bad, but it happens. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's... It's a balancing act. Hopefully, most of the times you get it right. And then, you know, you've got that whole thing of you get it framed. I have on occasions had a picture framed and then decided I didn't like it and repainted it. But 
mostly it's fine. Do you work mainly in oils? I do. Why is that? I like it. I, all I can say is I, I prefer it. I'm happy with oil paint. Because a lot of artists I speak to say, well, I, I can't work with oils because they take too long to dry. How do you deal with that? That's the joy of it. Well, you just get used to it. And, you know, and there are all sorts of things you can do if you really want. You can accelerate drying. It's not necessarily the best thing to do. But, you know, it only takes a few days for a thing to get tacky. And I'm quite interested in, you know, I'm quite interested in, in layering. Pentimenti, as it's known, oh. you know, the layering color over color. And, you know, I use a, I use a mix called triple mix, which I learned from um, a Russian painter where they get turpentine, linseed oil and damar varnish. So one one shot of turpentine, one shot of linseed oil and uh, a third shot of damar varnish. You mix it all up and that's called triple mix. And you can you, you put that on the paint, the dried paint, so you can paint over that, and it helps adhere the top layer to the layer beneath. You know, because if you don't do that, sometimes paint will peel off. I got a Russian painter friend who said that she had to write the English version of a book by the the head of painting in Saint Petersburg, and would I edit it for her and improve the English? And I read all about this. Triple mix. I thought that's really good. <laughs> that was a while ago. Do you have a chosen brand uh, of you know paints and brushes? No, no. I I love um all sorts of different paints from old Holland, all sorts, Seymour, whatever. I'll try anything. If I see a new brand I haven't tried, I'll I'll you know I'll buy my favourite colours. Sometimes, you know, like for instance, cobalt blue. I bought a cobalt blue by an American company some years ago. I hated it. But another one I bought, again, by an American company, I loved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every paint manufacturer has their own version of a color. And so I will I will buy my favorite colors and, you know, end up using the ones I, I really love best. I love Michael Harding's fallow blue with zinc white. You know, I mean, that's a beautiful color. I use a variety of brushes. I read there's a company called Rosemary's Brushes. They make nice brushes. I like them. But I do I do nip into the art shop in Glasgow and just grab whatever's on the stand, really. Mm. Looking at your work, I would say blue and green are, well, they must be ranking among your favourite colours. They are, yeah, especially the blues. Very vibrant. And is there a particular landscape that you favour over all others? Not really. I go through periods. There was a while when for a few years i I painted Greece, lots and lots of Greek paintings. Uh -huh. um, then there was a period when I painted French paintings and Italian paintings. And then there was the Caribbean few years. You know, then there was Iceland. I mean, every landscape is different. Every light is different. At the moment, I'm doing I'm doing a mixture. I've got some French, some Suffolk. Just depends what grabs you at the time. How have you coped this year? It's been tough for everybody. Well, yeah, it was fascinating, wasn't it? When lockdown first happened, it felt like life had gone on pause, didn't it? I didn't paint for a while because it was quite discombobulating. But, you know, I, that can't go on forever. I'm very lucky. I live in a village. My wife and I go for a walk in the morning and I paint in the afternoon. 
you know, we don't get to see our friends and, and we do a click and collect at the supermarket. So I don't even get to wander around the aisles anymore. Talk to the shop people, which I always love doing. And, and the thing I miss a lot is I, I love sketching people on trains and coffee shops. Wander into Glasgow, spend the morning sketching. Can't do it. There's nobody around. I wouldn't get on a train anyway. So I'm looking forward to, to a time when I can get back to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm very lucky. I've had a couple of nice commissions and I had one very big sale in a gallery in Devon and, a, and you know, a collection of smaller sales. So financially, I'm OK, uh, which makes me very fortunate. I'm also old enough to get a pension, so I don't have that worry. You know, I'm not worried about earning no money. It's in, it must be incredibly hard for people who, you know, don't have that backup. Yeah. Do you have any advice for those young artists that are, are just setting out in the world? Well, the best advice I ever had was always have something to paint for, even if it's an exhibition in your best friend's front room. And I've stuck to that. Always have an exhibition somewhere ahead of you, you know, because that, then you've got focus and you actually do the work. Otherwise, you can get lost. And the other bit of advice is don't worry too much about finances in the short term. Take a look at your whole year and see how you've got on. You know, I get people who worry because they haven't sold anything for two weeks. I'm saying don't worry about that. You know, next, next week, you could sell three. You know, we all have to worry about finance, but don't over worry. That's all I would say. But just keep doing it because, you know, if 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 you're going to do it, do it. The people who fall by the wayside haven't wanted to do it enough. Maybe, maybe. I mean, there are other reasons for falling by the wayside, which are nobody's fault. You know, as my father-in-law once said to me, better men than you and I have gone to the wall. I said, yeah. Life, life isn't necessarily fair. Well, it's been fascinating, Charles. Thank you, Tim.